You are listening to But Do I Need It, an audio diary from Marion Honey on conscious consumerism and pursuing that ethical scavenger dream. This is the space for a non-expert, hi, that's me, to unload on all things sustainability, fair trade, all-natural, eco-friendly, zero-waste, organic, and cruelty-free. You name it, I'm probably thinking about it. So let's channel some anxiety over your impact on the planet into a bit of a fact-finding forum. Here's what's keeping me up at night. So just a quick aside about what the F in ethical scavenger is. I've just started using that combo of words in my life. I can be a bit of a vulture. Instead of buying new things, I will just try and get hand-me-downs from people. You know, one man's trash is probably Marion's treasure. So that's what I mean by ethical scavenger. Okay, moving on. This entry contains the origin story. How the hell did I get here? What are you doing here? What am I doing here? So unlike in the movies, this origin story didn't really have a concrete eureka moment. Okay, let's go back. Let me take you back. Let me take you way, way back. I was living in New Jersey because that is one of the states in which I was a small child in. Here are some of my childhood memories. One of those things was my father's proclivity for seventh generation products. For those of you who don't know, seventh generation is a big recycled paper goods company. Editor's note, seventh generation was purchased by Unilever in the autumn of 2016. R.I.P. And that was the toilet paper that my dad bought. And I just have so many real fond memories of my sister being like, Dad, why are you buying this scratchy toilet paper? It is scratchy. And we would always get the answer, because the environment. Same goes for my dad sort of making the rounds around the house and uh, gently chastising my sister and I for leaving the lights on when we left a room. Other big thing, which I'm sure many of you have experienced the turn off the faucet while you're brushing your teeth because you don't need to leave the water running. Those things were small, but I still feel like they were quite significant in terms of having a childhood where it was impressed upon you to be a little more conscious. Another staple within my childhood was organic cow's milk. My mom was very fixated on us getting enough calcium. I I don't know, I feel like I should ask my mom whether it was more middle class motivated to be like, yes, we're only gonna buy organic milk. Not organic milk was like, you're just drinking a shit ton of hormones, which, you know, fair to my mom. I would really like to call my mom and see what her rationale would be. So let's get her on the phone. Could you please state your name for the record? Hi, I'm Marion's mom. I'm so proud to be her mother. You're so adorable, mom. Um, so the reason that I wanted to give you a quick buzz is because yeah. 
So I was kind of going into my background about why I am the way I am, you know, always asking questions. And I wanted to ask you about when, so when me and Leah, my sister, were kids, you always insisted on buying organic milk. Why? Was that just because, like, we were middle class and, like, living in a suburb of New Jersey and that's just what was done? Or was there, like, other motivations behind it? You know, at the time that um, you and Leah even really before you were born, there was a big controversy coming out about um, steroids and hormones and uh, different antibiotics being fed to uh, animals and getting into the food stuff. And then, as you know, in my uh, life as a pharmacist, I've always been really big in infectious disease and the importance of having uh, potent, effective, life-giving antibiotics and the role that that has really played in changing mortality rates in the world. And, you know, when all this came out about antibiotics being added to uh, animal feed and different treatments and things, and at the same time, there was an incidence of a increasing earlier onset of menses in young girls. And I thought, this is something that I can do to help with my daughter's health that may play a difference in their whole life. And by making sure that you and Leah only had organic dairy uh, for your whole life to the extent that I could control that is uh, what I did. And uh, tried to always make sure that that was something that I could give to you where I could make a choice and make a difference. So it wasn't so much of anything other than you know, my knowledge of the healthcare environment, the very most important part about being able to have antibiotics being effective when you needed them to save your life and how to reduce your exposure at other times. So would you just do that for like the milk that we would have in our cereal or like just dairy across the board? Trying to do it for dairy across the board, certainly any milk that you were going to drink, so larger quantities, uh, but I, I always did my best when there was a choice, when you could seek out an option to ensure that it was uh, organic dairy, yogurt, uh, milk, and cheeses. The best thing you can do for your health is eat the best quality food that you can. And we were in a very privileged position where we could afford to buy the best as well, which is always good to keep in mind. Right. This is just like a general question, but you know how... Over the past couple of years, I've become, like, super conscious in my, like, buying. What do you think about that? Or do you even think about that at all? Um, I guess my perspective is I look at the clothes in my closet, and a lot of times I think they're better than the clothes that the stores are selling. Yeah. And I'd rather just wear my own stuff. Yep. Even if it's 25 years old. I recently went to a birthday party. Mm Mm-hmm. And I was scrounging around because I really kind of wanted something new to wear, but I couldn't find anything that I liked. And, you know, most of the stuff in the store that I really couldn't even stand. And I scrounged around in my closet and I found the dress that I wore to Uncle John's wedding. And that's what I wore. How old do you think that the outfit was? I was uh, two months pregnant with you at the time. Oh, my God. Yeah. Wait, is that the yellow dress? The yellow dress, uh-huh. Yes, indeed, I did. I that love that. yellow chief dress, yep. I love that so much. Okay, final question. Do you think there is anything that was in my childhood or adolescence that has gotten me to this more super conscious consumer place? Do you think there is anything else, like, in the way that 
you and dad raised me that sort of has slowly seeped into my brain to get me to where I am now. I just think you were always a person, Marion, that had very strong convictions. So basically, I'm really, really stubborn. No, I'm not saying that you're really stubborn. (laughs) I'm saying that you were able to have a strong sense of self and presence in the face of adversity. And I'm thinking about when we moved to Tennessee and you were so much a fan of Harry Potter and some of the kids there called you a devil girl. Oh my God. Because of all that stuff about witches and stuff. And it's like, no, you've got to understand this is about the forces of good fighting the forces of evil. And I'm on the side of the forces of good. But some of the kids just, you know, because of their parents' yeah. perspective, right. treated you that way. And uh, then during that election, when... Uh, was this the John Kerry John election Kerry where I where I brought was, John uh, Kerry stickers to school? Wore John Kerry stickers every day when he was running against George Bush, and people called you a baby murderer for uh, pro-choice. So young, <laughs> pro-choice at a, at a very young age, at a place and time where it wasn't popular to be so public about your perspective. Yeah, so, very proud of you. Willing to live convictions at a time when. Uh, You shouldn't have had to have, you know, put that on yourself, but. Well, I had fantastic role model you to do that. So I'm like almost getting emotional talking about all this stuff. I love you, Mary. I love you too, mommy. Thank you for taking the time out of your evening to have a quick chat with me. Okay, so I was not expecting that at all, and um, even though I would totally believe it, I promise I did not bribe or prompt my mom to say any of those things, and I genuinely had to go have a little cry after I got off the phone with her. So if you can, and if you have a nice relationship with your mom, please call your mom. Um, Yeah, she loves you. So I've tried to do a bit of Twitter, internet, reconnaissance? Is that the right word? I'm not sure. What's the thing where you go back and try to, like, go into the archives and see what happened when? Whatever that is. That's what I tried to do to figure out when I started getting weird feelings about Amazon. And I have a distinct feeling it was a product of living with my friend Rosiana. January 2015, there is a tweet of me saying that I would like to purchase something not from Amazon. Then, August 2015, is the New York Times expose on Amazon. That was huge for me in terms of perspective shift. It wasn't only about the cult of entitlement that Amazon has really cultivated. It was also how their management was treating their employees, especially their women employees. And then three days later, Rosiana wrote an article for The Independent called, I'm never going to buy anything from Amazon and neither should you. That article by Rosiana in combination with the New York Times expose was like 
nail in the coffin for me, like never buying from them again. For whatever reason before this, I never really took a I was just never really aware of a company's behaviors and allowing that to influence whether or not I bought from them. Like maybe Shell, ExxonMobil, but I, you know, I wasn't buying gasoline to fill up my car. This was really the first time that that had ever really affected a change in me, a change in my behavior. I don't know if you've ever tried to cut out buying from Amazon, but it's pretty difficult because they have freaking everything. They have done a superb job of market monopolization in as many different areas as possible. This is also probably three years ago now maybe more. I don't actually remember if I found it difficult to wean myself off shopping with them, but now it's literally like, here's the thing, once you tell yourself that it's not an option, you, it's, I don't know, at least for me, I don't find it a problem to be like, oh, I need this thing, it's only on Amazon. Well, I'm just, I guess I'm gonna have to shop from Amazon. I always try and find an alternative route, but I don't remember finding it difficult to personally stop myself from buying things from Amazon, but I did find it difficult in my workplace. They have quick turnarounds and you know why? Because they work their warehouses to the bone. So I would try to order things from not Amazon where I was working. I would get pushback being like, why don't you just get this on Amazon? It's cheaper. It'll be here faster. You know, reason, reason, reason. And that was obviously an issue for me internally because I had to reconcile a company's priority to cut costs wherever they can and my own moral priority of I don't want to give you skies any more money. Animal Testing 101. And let me tell you, this was really a 101 class for me. I don't think I had ever really thought up until that point about how the things that I buy get to me. <laughs> so the manufacturing process. I just never thought about animal testing and cosmetics until Lex's video. Maybe I had known about it, but never really considered it again as a factor to affect what I buy. If I'm vegetarian and I already f find that to be really really easy, then I imagine that I can make cruelty free easy as well. So Lex's video really kind of sparked the change in Derpina mode, which is a beauty and kind of fashion, but mostly beauty channel that I had with a friend of mine, Sana. The premise of that channel originally was two girls who didn't do makeup at all, didn't really know anything about makeup, but loved watching makeup videos on YouTube. And so coming at it from a novice perspective. And after Alexa's video, we were like, this needs to be a cruelty-free channel. There were videos that were about, you know, this is a video with using all cruelty-free products, or it would be kind of name-dropped about a specific product in a video um, by beauty gurus. But in terms of a fully cruelty-free channel, only that 
it didn't really exist. We were just like, let's do this. Let's switch everything over. That was probably a little bit harder at the beginning, mostly because this is a thing that you kind of run into no matter which sort of moral compass you are trying to follow, which is the overwhelming urge to feel like you need to throw out everything and start from scratch. That was at a time in my life where I was in university. I could not afford to do that, and I had received a lot of things free or, like, passed on by friends, and that was how I could make Derpina Mode videos. That was how I could, like, have a skincare routine, have makeup options, and to this day, I still have a lot of old makeup, which like, should probably be thrown out for health reasons, um, in terms of, like, their bacteria contents probably through the roof. I would rather hold on to them if I'm, no, I'm still going to use them from a not being wasteful perspective. Not everything is a direct correlation, but I think a lot of these things slotted into a place for a reason. Like, I don't know if I would have come to all of these conclusions as a student because I had to think about how I was going to spend my money. And when you have a little bit more disposable income, this is it, when you have a little bit more disposable income, you can start pondering about how you're going to spend it. So how I switched to being cruelty-free was essentially just every time I ran out of something that wasn't cruelty free that was tested on animals somewhere down the line or was by a brand that sold into china or was a brand that had a parent company that tested elsewhere every time i ran out of that product i would just replace it with a cruelty free item so that was another area that again just woke me up to why haven't i thought about this this is something that i I can incorporate into my life with a little bit of thought. And then the most recent step has been clothes. A tipping point is murky. I want to say that some of it is from a conversation that happened when me and a couple of my friends were invited by Lush to go to their headquarters in Poole and we met with the Lush cosmetic buyers. And I didn't know what a buyer was when I was told that I was going to meet a buyer. I didn't really know what job titles inside of a cosmetic company meant, or even inside of any sort of like retail business company meant, besides, you know, like a PR person or a marketing person. A buyer, I was kind of like, not really sure what you do. But what I learned was that a buyer is the person that buys the ingredients. They source the ingredients, they go to where it is made, they speak to the people that make it, and then they determine which is the best and probably also the most cost-effective as well. So speaking to those less buyers, we heard a lot about how fraught it is to sort any kind of material. Uh, to scale especially. In particular, I remember a conversation about rose water and how there's like a harvest season for roses and it was really difficult for them to kind of enforce, keep kids from skipping school to go into the fields to pick roses for income for their family. Stuff like that. That kind of trickled down or took a side step into the fashion industry. In July 2015, I tweeted an article about Zara, uh, which was about a discrimination lawsuit that they were facing because of homophobic, anti-Semitic comments. 
There's also loads of documented instances of Zara stealing the artwork of independent illustrators and designers and throwing them on their clothes and obviously not compensating the original artist and being like, haha, it's too expensive for you to get a lawyer to actually fight us on this, so you're just gonna have to deal with it. So Zara fell out of my good graces early, but I, I just can't really remember. And this saddens me because I, I want to know where and why, and I think it's helpful to know where and why these things start from, but I honestly can't really remember where else the clothes stuff came in from. Like, I imagine I was, like, reading articles on The Guardian about it by Lucy Siegel, finding old lists of, like, eco-sustainable fashion companies that were so out of date that half the links were broken. Like, that stuff I remember. Like, you know how everyone kind of tosses around that Primark clothes are made from child labor? I have this distinct memory of me walking down Oxford Street with a, a group of my gal pals. Every time we walk past a shop and someone would maybe, like, express interest in going in, I would like kind of hiss under my breath slaves i'm kind of disgusted at myself that i would have done that just because it feels so insensitive to yeah the people who do live in horrible work conditions and who we get our cheap clothes from because they are hardly paid for what they do for it to get to us having the realization that everything that was in the window was probably made through some sort of slave labor, sweatshop labor. Labor in which the person who made that was not paid very well in order for the clothes to be at a cheap cost and also to be quite disposable. Our clothes are cheap because we are standing on the shoulders of others who we keep down so we can have things at affordable prices. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for getting really heavy, but these are kind of the three areas in which I was sort of like, okay, I need to re-examine, like, in my head, my money is how I vote. Like, my money is how I... I also vote, by the way. You should always vote. But my money is how I sanction and condone behaviors by companies. If I saw a label that said, made in China, I assume that is going to be made by a person that isn't treated very well and also it has come a long way to get to me for me to wear so that was also a big change for me in terms of I just stopped shopping because I read the label on everything and I felt that I don't know I think especially I'm coming from it from a bit of a hindsight 2020 perspective now because I feel like every big brand has caught on to the fact that their consumers have caught on, that their stuff is made in quite sketchy conditions. So there's always a bit of a like sustainability slash, you know, ethical responsibility disclaimer on every fast fashion website now. So it's, it's kind of hard to know what to trust. Like what is just marketing spin to make you feel okay about buying that cheap top? So those are sort of the three areas. Amazon, aka everything that you would buy in your life, <laughs> clothes, and makeup. And it's kind of filtered into everything now. So this is what is literally on my mind on an everyday basis. Every time I make a purchase, I have, I don't know how I explain it other than maybe like it feels like there's so many different 
equations going through my head. I'm weighing the options. It's not just, is this quality? Is this cute? Do I think it will go with my other stuff? Will it last? It's, how the hell did it get here? So that's how the hell I got here to where I am now. Some days it can be very stressful and overwhelming. Most of the time, it means I overthink my buying so much that I don't end up buying stuff. And then I realize that I didn't even need it in the first place. Which is sort of the inspiration for what this audio diary is called. But do I need it? Because most of the time, the answer is, I could probably survive without it. Like, I can't see myself being a person who's gonna come home after working her 9-6 to job, Monday through Friday, and is gonna go make her own deodorant or make her own toothpaste. Like, I'm not really a DIY person. I want to be able to buy stuff because, like, literally this is how we are programmed by society, is to desire things, to see things on other people, and to be like, cool, yeah, I'm gonna buy that, and I'm gonna work so I can buy that. So I'm trying to grapple with that, (laughs) which, once you kind of wake up to that, you're like, huh, that's a kind of disgusting thing about how the world works. I think once you figure out that you can buy better, and again, I'm not just meaning, like, premium Italian leather. I mean thinking about of the choices that I can find in a reasonable amount of time that I've given myself to look for those choices, what is the one that I can live the best with? That's kind of what I'm talking about. And I hope that when you can step back and first of all think if you actually need something, and if you do feel like you need it, then to try and put in some time to find the, I don't know, maybe lowest impact or the what you're most comfortable with i guess that's kind of what that's how i think through when i buy stuff food is a territory i've not tackled yet but this is the other thing once you're going through this it can be quite upsetting and overwhelming which you just have to kind of get used to being made uncomfortable by your own over-awareness of things. But you also have to be kind enough to yourself to saying like mess up again feels still sort of like self-blamey, but accept that there's no perfect process. There's no perfect product. Everything comes at a cost and a price. I'm just trying to find the one that I can live with best and feel most comfortable about whilst also trying to like teach myself that maybe the next time that I am faced with this decision or this purchase that I will have learned from the previous experience so I feel like I can make a better decision next time. I guess I just wanted to acknowledge that uh, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay to feel overwhelmed and like this is a lot to take in, but what I think is not okay is to say I feel too overwhelmed to even do anything at all, which I get if that's what your reaction is, but I feel like taking tiny steps, even if that means you're only going to buy vegan stuff or you're only going to buy things that are made locally. This is where I am and this is what I have on my mind and what I really want to talk about because I speak to my friends about this 
a lot. They hear my my thought process and maybe my overfixation on decision making, and I felt like I kind of needed an outlet to explain and also to just kind of share like what I find as well that has been helpful and to ask for help too. So this is episode one really light, really fluffy, like didn't want to make it too dense or hard to follow. I'd like to put in a couple of segments into this, but again, this is still such a baby podcast slash audio diary. Really trying to wedge wedge that word in, differentiate myself, you know? But I would like to put in a section on shout outs. Um, today, I would like to shout out my friend, my friends. I'm just going to shout out my friends because I wouldn't be here without them. So that's Rosianna. Thanks for your Amazon article. Lex, thanks for your video. Sana, thank you for your bed, which kept me up all night. Your bed is comfortable, by the way, but I just had this idea that I couldn't shut down. And for you encouraging me, that thank you. Also, Fran for encouraging me. Clarissa for encouraging me. Emily for encouraging me. Ross for encouraging me. These are my shout-out people that I love. Other section that I want to talk about is receipts. Uh, this is a kind of check-in on what I've bought lately and what the thought process was going into that. Uh, I've bought a lot, quite a few things recently, but let's end on a light and delicious note, which is that today I bought a crow dough from Rinkoff Bakery, and let's see what box it checks. It checks the box of supporting a local independent bakery. I don't know what the flour is made of. I really hope there's no palm oil in it, but I have no idea what the ingredients list is. All I know is that it was probably made by someone who lives in East London, and it was made today, and that shop will hopefully continue to be open a little bit longer because I bought one of their lemon drizzle crotos and it is pretty late but I'm still gonna have a bite as a reward to myself for trying to do something that scares me. Again, this is an audio diary of someone who is not an expert. So if I give bad advice, that's because I have not been trained in this. Everything that I talk about has been self-taught or read in other articles or just, you know, things that I've encountered in life and are how I see the world. So please keep that in mind do what is best for you and be kind to yourself you've been listening to but do i need it with marion honey all the music in this entry was by julesy you can find her links as well as the rest in the show notes which are hosted on patreon.com you can find this audio diary all over the internet at but do i need it and my personal stuff is under 
Marion, honey. Thanks again for listening. When in doubt, doubt. I'll see you next time. I just had to say, this crow doll is so delicious.